Because you don't know what you got till it's gone. They're paving paradise down the street from me. Right in front of Stony Point. Taking pictures of it makes me sad. That's a Sarah McLaughlin version of that Paving Paradise song. This is episode 113 of Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap, your host, and this almost didn't happen. It almost never happened again because this was going to be my last episode. I recorded the last episode. Goodbye forever. No more jet to push around. No more jet to rely on. His beautiful honey of words to your bee. But I talk about that a lot, so I won't bore you with it now. But understand, I recorded three versions of this episode, and the last one I said, ah, I'm done. Why keep going? If there's no audience, if this was a show of any other kind, if it was a practice in psychiatry, you can't keep the doors open if you have no patience. And I already had no patience. And patience. Get the uh, double entendre there. <laughs> double entendre there. Tondra. Hey, Tondra! Yeah, get me two of you. But you dodged a bullet because of influences. Of people. And moments. And my openness to the universe, God, or whatever you call it, I let input be what guides me. I'm done. I hate you guys. You don't like this show. If you did, you'd tell people. I I complain about that a lot again, so I won't go into it now. I was ready to stop. And I got different input. And I can't deny it. Even if it wasn't audience, it wasn't. Even if it wasn't money, it's not. Even if it wasn't help, it isn't. I still said, I must go forward in spite of the evidence, which is the story of my life. Up until now, now the evidence is going to start happening. And the intuition comes before the manifestation. So here it is, you lucky duck, even if you don't deserve it. Episode 113 of Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap starts right now. I rarely ask you, my audience, a question that I expect an answer to. Obviously, that is because I can't see you, you're not here. So you're thinking, yeah, Jet, that is obvious. I'm listening to this right now, and I am profoundly not where you are. I am so not where you are that I don't know where you are, right? But I have to pose you a question. Does this show have fans. Are you a fan of this show? And I only have one answer to that. You are not a fan. You right now who is listening, you are a person who's listened to now 113 episodes of Psychotherapy, and you are not a fan. You're a listener, but you're a sneaky, dirty little sneak listener. I know I use sneak twice. You hear it, You either agree, you don't agree, you get something out of it, you don't, but you tell no one. I haven't recorded a show in almost a month, and a handful of people have reached out to me. But among these people are people I didn't know who listened to it. And definitely the people they know don't know that they listen to it. Why are you keeping this a secret? 113 episodes. 
I have recorded three episodes prior to the one you're hearing right now. The first one was about a dream, and I went into just the unreality of my life. It was incredible, it was profound, and I was not ready to put it up, because I don't think my audience is ready. Number two was about the election and politics in a general way and humanity's separation right now of consciousness between the reality the one side sees and the reality the other side sees and that there is actually somewhere in the middle of that a definite truth to this world and some people are ignoring that more than others that's number two number three yesterday's was cold. I came into my little office and I started to record the show and I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't glad. I wasn't had. I cannot do it in a box. I will not do it with a fox. I will not have green eggs and ham. I will not have them, Sam. I am. So I wasn't sad, but I was telling you it was probably my last episode. Yesterday would have been my last episode, 113, which is kind of funny because it's a 13. And if you're superstitious, then that has significance. 113 would have been my last episode, and here's why. I am not doing this to shout into a hallway. I edit. It takes time. It is a job that interferes with things, my writing and my exercise, as well as many other things I can't even think of in the hundreds of hours I've taken over the last year and a half. All of that is worth it if it's helping. Now, I'm not here to whine because I know you're listening, so you're already a hero. But you know what a superhero would do? Tell people about something that helps you, and not the episodes that don't help you. That's obvious, right? Your favorite show is Star Trek. There are episodes that are better than another. It'd be better if this example was a sitcom, right? So like 30 Rock or Seinfeld. There are episodes you liked more than other episodes. So recommend the ones you like. I am doing this as a favor to the people without any expectations of reward, but I would like to know it's helping. If I had a soup kitchen and I was feeding the homeless and no homeless showed up, I'd stop. I'd have to move my soup kitchen because clearly all the effort of making the food, getting the volunteers, putting out the flyers, doing outreach, setting up the lines, getting the permits and then no one shows up, it's not useful. So even though I had good intentions, my heart was pure and my motivation was in the right place. If I got no help to no one, I'm doing nothing. What's that saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I've thought about changing the format of this show, changing the title of the show, doing a new thing. I'm ready to pitch and roll, move, Sting like a butterfly and eat like a bee. I say Satan's wrong. But I'm ready to move. I am fluid. I am transparent. I don't need to be rigid. I can go where the going is good. And if the going's not good here, I won't say. So, last episode was goodbye. Thanks for all of the fish. For you fans of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a little song from it. Movie or a book. I talked to Gina about this last night, and she understands that my writing is more important right now. It's getting read, and it's getting better. And when I get into the flow of screenwriting, I bang out some stuff that's just good. And it's not just good. It's very good, but it's the difference between good and bad, and it is good. Put my effort there. 
Gina will support whatever I do, which is great because it's always left my decisions to me. She does not influence. She is like God in that way. I have free will in my relationship. So she didn't have any real input on it. Now, this morning I went on the squawk walk, squawk walk, which is where we see the Boyds, the squawkers, peacocks. And today we saw a clutch of four peacocks, or as I call them, fancy birds. It was just my mom, Krista Dunlap, my dog, Falcor, Z-Dog, Great White Beacolo. So the three of us, including Falcor as a person, went walking, and I talked to my mom about my theories. I talked to her about my dreams. I talked to her about my philosophies, the things I have shared with you. And that is when I said, I can't quit. I can't quit. Not because of you guys not being fans. That shouldn't matter. It could. Because, like I said before, I don't want to have a soup kitchen that's feeding no one but the flies. I went into his own and started explaining things to her in a way that resonated on a frequency that she could hear. It's taken me a long time to do that. I'm able to explain the harmonious relationship between religion and myth and science in a way that resonates with her, and she's a highly religious woman. So, I thought, okay, here I am talking to her. It's meaning something to her. So I should do the same thing on a broader scale, which is the show, and continue. So she stopped it from going away. But will we be so lucky next time? Who knows? I persist because I am Jet Dunlap and I run marathons for fun that aren't scheduled. The longest marathons I ever run is just between me and me. The one I did in Mammoth over 27 miles up these massive hills over 7,200 feet in elevation gain. I just did it for me. No one else was there. No applause. Just to see if I could. That's the show. We take the things for granted we don't know will ever go away. That's with relationships, housing, jobs, summer, nights that you'd hope would never end, end. So there you go. Now you're reminded. For those of you first-time listeners, wow, what a burden I put on your shoulders. I'm sorry for that. But understand, right off the bat, that if you like it, please call. No. If you like it share it. That's life. Do we need more things in our life right now that help us? I sure do. I listened to 87 hours of audio last month, and I read probably, I don't want to say like 200 pages of books, and I took countless classes and wrote countless pages. Because I'm not done learning, I'll fill my cup, and then I recommend the things I learn to other people, and I do this show. So here we go. Dreams. The other night, This has been happening more frequently. I'm able to go into my dreams and have so much control, I can consciously exit them from subconscious to conscious. That's beyond a lucid dream. And I'm sure there's other people in the world who've been able to do that, but it's like a high form of meditation. I look at Gina before I go to bed and I say, Gina, watch this. Five, four, three, two, one. And I go into dream mode as if I'm leaving this planet to go explore other galaxies in my consciousness, which is just electricity. And so I get to talk to the ether. I get to talk to things that are no longer and things that have not happened. So here's my dream. I'm in my RV and the RV is facing downhill. I'm in the passenger seat, but for some reason there's a steering wheel. It's a grassy and dirt hill. So patches of grass, natural. 
not cultivated. And the hill is going down at an angle, and all of a sudden the vehicle comes out of park or break, whatever. And I start going down this hill, and I realize this is out of control. Now my vehicle weighs about 23 to 25,000 pounds, and it has pretty conventional brakes, not air brakes. I've driven this vehicle probably about 700 miles, and I can tell you right now, if you're in a position where you've let momentum come into the forces that cause this vehicle to go forward downhill, you're done. You're done. You cannot stop it. It's not a car. It's a boat on wheels. So in this dream, I realized I cannot stop the vehicle. This is it. I'm going to hit something at the bottom of the hill. And I pictured myself as like jello inside of a, well, I guess a metal box that gets thrown up against a wall. The jello is not going to do well. That's what we are. We're water bags. So I know I'm going to die. And I'm in the passenger seat and I'm trying to control the wheel and I'm trying to brake. And then I freak out and I go, well, I don't want to die. That's terrible. That's it. And then my brain says, you've done this before. I'm getting close to the end. I'm about to hit some kind of obstruction. I think it's a tree. And I blink out. I move behind me like a ripple, like a wave, like a photographic negative. I shoot behind my own body and I'm transported. Now in my brain, I'm able to think things at the same time as experiencing. And what my brain has done is I have ejected from that reality. But I've ejected from that reality quickly, something I've done before as my dream has alluded to me, not just in dream, but in incarnation. And I'm in a new reality, but because I moved without thought, without plan, without higher source connection, I am now in another vehicle similar to the one I was just in. I'm in a UPS truck, and I'm facing to the side. So not front to back, but side to side, behind the driver. And I look at the driver, and I'm trying to figure out if he's me, because he kind of looks a little bit like me from the back. He's not communicating with me. I'm sitting there. And the reality of it is all coming to me like, wow, I can actually move out of a place right before my incarnated uh, destruction and move to another reality. But I did this too quickly. So it's taking parallels from the last place. As I'm thinking this to myself, I notice the driver's gone. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm in a passenger position again and the driver is gone. Am I going to go through the hell that was what was going on 20 seconds ago? Am I going to crash again? So this time, I try and get into the driver's seat, which is on the right side, meaning the left side, if you're American. In this case, I am American. <laughs> I have to get over all this junk. This driver has trash all over the center console area, walkthrough, trash all over the back, trash all over the front seat area between his legs where the pedals would go. So I get in and I sit down and there's all this trash I have to move out of the way. And then there's an igloo type cooler thermos mug. That's a lot of words. But it's one of those coffee mugs that's oversized. that would be like big mug or big jug, whatever. That's what's sitting in the middle. I have to move that out of the way to try and get in. Now, I realize the vehicle is out of control. But this time, when my hands are millimeters away from the wheel, I stop. And I don't touch it. Something tells me to let go. And I think, here we are. We're going to crash again. Do I need to stick around for the end of this creature too? because I ejected too soon last time? Is the experience of my physical death important for me to experience in this place? I'm not thinking that I'm dreaming. I'm thinking I'm there. I let go of the steering wheel, and it spins around, kind of to the right and behind itself, and then it slowly backs up, because it did this spin, and then inertia shoots it backwards. 
and I run into a fence softly. I'm alive. It didn't crash. Now, the implications of that could be that because I didn't touch it, everything went well, and when I touched it in the last dream, things went terribly. I don't know. I got out, and I look at my phone, and I call someone. It's like a 911, but not really. And an African-American woman who's in her 50s picks up the phone. I don't know why I know what she looks like, but I do. And I've talked to her before, and we know each other. I say, listen... I'm at this location, and all of a sudden I'm able to three-dimensionally impose a map in front of me, and I see that there's a river near where I am. There's a couple of streets near where I am, but I was in a back alley. For some reason, that's where this UPS truck was driving. So I can't describe my location because this back alley is so far away from the cross streets that it's not really in there. I see that my spot is glowing like you would on a map, but I'm seeing this in the air. And then I say to her, well, wait a second. Can't you just find me? And she says, yes. We'll be there momentarily. I'm out. Dream's over. I'm back. So back to reality. Oop, there goes gravity. Little Eminem, B-Rabbit. I'm taken out of it. Like, you know, Eminem in that song that he sang, 8 Mile. That's what the whole lyric thing was. I'm back to waking up. Life goes back to normal, and then the dream, the next day, well, here it comes with both barrels, my friends. And remember, you would have heard none of this because you were so ungrateful if it wasn't for the fact that things transpired the way they did. Now, isn't that a part of the show, though? Was it necessary for me to want to stop, think it was a futile effort to continue? Sure, it's probably a part of something. I'm in my grandfather's living room my grandmother and grandfather's house dream number two the more significant one i'm sitting in a chair on the far right side of the room closest to the window and i'm facing away from him slightly where he always used to sit at his couch now he's slightly higher than me in elevation but his chair isn't so that is a trick of the reality that exists in this dream and maybe in other realities that doesn't exist here. So somehow he is above me, but he's at level with my eyes. And he says, well, what do you think? And I say, something to the effect of, well, I know what you're saying, but still. And then he says something about that he's not gone. And I say, well, yeah, but I miss your face. Now, this is important because Pow used to say that. My grandfather was passed. He would say, I miss your face. It's a great way of telling someone that you miss their physical existence. He got me to kind of explore more of what that meant. And I said, you're gone. And he said that it would be easier for me to remove all the grains of sand from the ocean than to get rid of him. Saying that it's easier for me as a human, to remove all the grains of sand from all the oceans than to remove his existence, meaning he's not gone. He's here as much as he was before. And I got a little sarcastic, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know that. I get that, academically. But I don't see you. So then to that he said, your rigidity in thinking that way makes us further apart. The more you focus on the idea that I was real and am not now, 
the less of a connection we have. And the connection, the power of that connection, was what was most important when he was alive in physical matter, and now clearly more important. But he wanted me to know that the more I dwell on the fact that his body is no longer here, the less I will have as far as a connection to him immortally. When you miss someone and they're alive, that force is different than their body. That is just a flesh bag that reflects light in a way that gives you familiarity. Their essence is what you love. So he was telling me that. And then I said, yeah, but you're not there. I don't see you anymore. And he said something that was pretty profound. This is all in a dream. He said, what are we doing right now? Because I'd said I miss our talks. And I said, yeah, I get that. He's like, no, really, what are we doing right now? And I said, we're talking. We're communicating. We're with each other. And he said, yes. Implying that because I wasn't trying to hold on to his physical form, I was able to enjoy his essence as real as he was in this life in a place that when I'm there is as real as this life. Let's say you spend almost half your life sleeping. Do you think that God, the universe, set it up that half your life is spent as a waste? No. Sleeping must be equally as important as wake. But we don't know why. And so we don't know why. We say, eh, it's stupid. Who needs sleep? I'll sleep when I'm dead. But what you don't get is maybe it's the mini death. The small death. Every night... We have to relinquish conscious control to our oblivion, consciously. And then we experience life in a way that is different and without borders, without matter, without gravity, without perception, that is limited to linear. So then Pau says he wants to show me something, and all of a sudden I'm in a slanty reality where this road hill points down, which is interesting because now I'm making the connection to that being like the one in the RV where I'm going downhill. This time I'm walking. He's behind me in kind of a void. I know he's behind me and to the left, but I don't see him. He's still there. I walk in. I look to the right. And (laughs) to the right of me is the most vivid, beautiful mountain range I've ever seen in my life. It is red in a way that red is impossible on a mountain. It's jagged. It's It's curved, it's sandy, it's rocky, it's incredible. And I see it at a distance, but I also see it close. Paradoxical, right? Not if you're able to use multiple senses, which I'm able to do in this reality. I see it with my eyes and it's far away, but I'm able to look at it closely with my mind. Something I'm not able to do consciously as easily. I can do it. You can do it. You can go to a place you have been before and see it in your mind as close, but with your eyes you see it far away. Let's say you saw your house from the end of the block. You actually have x-ray vision because you can see inside through your memory. So you can see through walls. That's what I was doing here. I could see the mountain range with my eyes, which was incredible, but I could see it with great detail with something else. And I was blown away, mesmerized. Flashback. About three days before that, I'm sitting there while Gina's proofing a paper of mine, and I start going, to myself, this is no longer in the dream, it's a flashback, to explain the next part of the dream. And I hear in my head, if you build it, he will come. 
Feel the dreams. If you build it, he will come. Back to the dream. I see a baseball field kind of floating between and to the left of me in the mountain range. And it looks like it's plugged in. Not just the lights, but everything. The grass is glowing. The stands are glowing. It is basically the one from Field of Dreams. No idea why I was thinking about Field of Dreams or why I said that phrase days before. But my timelines and my consciousness, it's all kind of a a roller coaster. Gina sees it. Other people see it. I see this baseball field. And then Pow blinks out. He's not gone. But he's gone from my perception in this dream. If you build it, they will come is what I heard. Not he, which is the actual quote. But he had already come, my grandfather. Next day when I'm in class, my teacher says that uh, first screenplay he ever saw that made someone, this is back in reality, was this intern who found Field of Dreams and uh, handed over to an executive producer and that, that got the guy promoted. So Field of Dreams was mentioned in my class the next day after I'd already had this dream. That happens all the time. You just have to buckle in and get used to that. You can choose to believe me or not. Either way, there it is. So I'm looking at this field and I'm looking at these mountains. And then for the first time in my life that I can remember, I chose to let consciousness in to my dream. Now, fully understand what I'm saying there. What I'm saying is I took as picture like uh, those sand timers that they had. I am letting more grains of sand go into my conscious mind because I want to figure out where this mountain range is. Pow's gone. The party's wrapping up. I've seen what I need to see. I don't quite understand it, but I know I'm mesmerized by these mountains. Mountains I've never seen. And I let my conscious brain come in because my conscious brain starts looking at things like Zillow and maps and starts going, where is this? Is this Montana? Utah? Colorado? New Mexico? And I'm trying to figure out where it is, so I keep letting my conscious mind take over until I wake up. How crazy is that? I left the dream like I was leaving a party and I woke up. And I don't know how many people understand what that means. I've told it to two people, my mom and Gina. I exited a dream like you would exit a room. And I was willing to not tell you the story because I didn't think anyone would care. I think it's good that it's on, not tape, Jet. This isn't a tape. It's on uh, Magic Disc. That is the truth. I don't know if I'll let you listen to a piece of the last episode. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll close it out with an audio right now of me saying why I was going to stop doing the show. It's easier not to than to. I have friends, one in particular, who, well, there's another one. A person I got sober and then another person who I got her her job. This changed her life and she's had the same job for 10 years. And when I told her, to take a listen to my show because I thought it would really be good for her, especially where she was in her life at that moment. She said, well, podcasts really aren't my thing. I'm like, well, am I? I remember having six-hour conversations with you on the phone where you needed my help because you were not having an easy time in the relationship department, and I was there for you. And here's a show that's that same guy giving more refined, more intelligent, and more experienced advice And podcasts aren't your thing. All right. And that's what it is. I say, all right, yeah, sure, there is a part of me that goes, well, that's lame. I'm not heartbroken. 
If I stop doing this show, it's not because I'm heartbroken. It's because it's not serving its purpose, and I've been doing it almost a year and a half. So in the case that you just heard, there was me ready to exit, and I didn't exit. And I told you the story, and I told you my dreams, and I took a risk. I took a chance, took a chance, took a chance on you. Do, 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 do. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. Little ABBA for you. I took a chance, even though I wanted to leave. Because I felt nothing. Again, I keep reiterating it, but going back to the soup kitchen thing. Because I want you to know it wasn't because I'm lazy. It's not because I don't want to do this for free. I don't mind. Maybe I should. I don't want to do it for no one. But can you imagine if I didn't tell that story? This is up there forever. It's up in the ether. Just like where my dreams come from, where my intuition comes from. If I ever tell you, and I will, about my screenplay, my first one. I'll tell you the title. Eh, no, I won't. I'll tell you the old title. The old title was Rift. But if I ever tell you about that story, this will seem like kindergarten. There's more mystery in the life of this guy than I think you're ready to hear. My permission to tell you more will be my understanding that this is heard. The people who encouraged me to start this show when I was apprehensive because I said I've done shows before that have failed to reach their audience. I don't want to do that again. What a waste of my time. I don't want it to be that. They said, if you build it, they will come. Then I said, really? They said, yes, what you're doing now is different. It has different resonance. It will find its audience. I want this to find the ears that need it. I just helped another person get sober for over 30 days. That's now four souls that I've helped escape addiction, escape spirits, alcohol that was taking away their life track and creating its own. The devil in that way was kind of an exorcism. Was I entirely the reason? Absolutely not. They had to make the choice, just like anything. Was I helpful? I won't pretend I wasn't. I was. Can this stuff help you? Yes. Can it help people who don't hear it? Probably not. And if it helps, it'll help someone else. I'll talk to you next time. This is Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy. Goodbye.